0: How does all the music in the world fit onto one CD? That was my question as a four-year-old looking down at the holographic CD-ROM of Microsoft's Encarta Encyclopedia 99 I held in my hands. When light hit the back of the circular disc, a spectrum of colors mesmerized the eyes. However, when loaded into the CD reader and the tiny infrared lasers hit it, and brought to life all the information hidden within those colors, the entire world mesmerized the ears. Or at least mine. I'm your host, Savannah Fortis, and this is Music on the Move. Today, we're traveling using sound the way I first learned to, as a child in the late 90s, the beginning of the new millennium, using a free CD-ROM of an encyclopedia released by Microsoft. In Carta, it was called, Encarta, in my mind, became synonymous with the entire world, more specifically the music of the world. The CD-ROM reader on the computer opened, the disc dropped into place, and the tray inched back inside, and the tune took off. It landed on the home page of Encarta, dark blue with images fading in and out on top of an exciting, almost adventurous-sounding jingle. A weather temperature map of a hurricane. A black and white portrait of a Native American man. A moving dove flapping its wings. A microscopic view of red blood cells. A satellite. The earth. As the sounds and images settled, the homepage of the digital encyclopedia presented two simple options. Find or explore. This pivotal moment of being asked to find, Or explore is the root of a sentiment always echoing in my head. Never have I stopped presenting myself with those two options. Sometimes I go to find, other times I'm exploring. However, as a four-year-old girl perched at the computer desk of our family's townhome in a suburb of East Los Angeles, I had nothing yet to find and everything to explore. The choice was obvious. On March 2, 1993, Microsoft introduced the first version of Encarta Encyclopedia. It was also the first encyclopedia designed to run on a home computer system. Born as a digital multimedia encyclopedia, Encarta started its life as a CD-ROM product in the time of dial-up internet and boxy home computer sets. It offered a treasure trove of articles, images, videos, and sound clips spanning topics from history and science to geography and the arts. It was a gateway to a world of knowledge for those navigating the digital landscape of the 90s. Mark McKenzie is a digital media designer and worked on Microsoft's Encarta Encyclopedia in the mid-90s until the early 2000s. He recalled the climate surrounding these new discs during this era as being revolutionary.
1: This was at a time when multimedia CD-ROMs were a brand new thing, and being able to put uh, text and music and sounds and videos and pictures onto a platter, and put that platter into your computer and load them up and, and view them, this was an entirely new concept. Everything is at your fingertips now, but in 1993, it wasn't, and to be able to pop a disc in and get all of this information and see all this content was absolutely revolutionary.
0: By the time I got my hands on it, Encarta was in its 7th edition with Encarta 99, released in 1998 and equipped with a brand new interface, ready to shape the life of a four and a half year old girl. Exploring in Encarta was exploring the world broken down into five categories. Science, History, Social Science, Geography, and Humanities, each containing more subcategories followed by even more sub-subcategories. Over the many hours I spent on this application, my explorations led me through the greatest scientific breakthroughs of the last century, the iconic I-have-a-dream speech from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and the history of television, though there was one corner of Encarta that captured my attention more than the others. One section of the encyclopedia that, had it been a real book, would have been dog-eared and weathered by use. Tucked away in the humanities category was the music subcategory. It was then and there I stumbled upon what became my roadmap of the world. The sounds of places I had yet to explore and the generator of the desire to go out and explore them, to hear the sounds for myself. I clicked into a map of the world with no details. No borders, no country names, just an outline of an Atlas-style view of the seven continents with the title, World Music, written across the top. Scattered throughout various locations on the map were realistic images of instruments. Even at my age, there were instruments that were recognizable, an electric guitar, a saxophone, a cello, a piano, which I later learned was actually a harpsichord, Other instruments appeared to be vaguely familiar, various types of drums and string instruments. Then there were instruments that were completely alien to my young eyes. Shapes, textures, and ornamentations I had yet to come across. So I started where I was familiar. The electric guitar hovered over the North American continent, and I clicked it open, only to be pulled along with a fast-paced, blues-rock-style riff. Electric Guitar, it read in all caps. The solid-bodied electric guitar was developed in the 1940s. The vibrations of its strings are amplified through the magnetic pickups located on the instrument's body. Control knobs are used to adjust volume and tone. Once the initial sound sample of the solo instrument finished, there was a button in the lower right corner with two black music notes that read Ensemble. I clicked, and that's when the real magic began. The ensemble section provided the instrument in the context of an actual song, along with the region of the world, genre, and a photo. United States, blues, it read. The Mississippi River Delta is the cradle of the African-American style called the blues. The electric guitar, adopted in the 1940s by blues musicians in Chicago, Illinois, has become this style's most important instrument. This all was displayed next to a photo of the fabled Mississippi blues guitarist Albert King as his live recording of Roadhouse Blues played in the background. My Little Mind tried to make sense of some of the words, but the music needed no further explanation. The song came on, and in an instant, I was there, wherever there was, but right next to Albert, as he played that song on some stage somewhere, Maybe in Chicago, but certainly in my mind. The blues, however, was familiar enough. It was a genre regularly played on long drives with my dad or Saturday afternoons around the house, so this was only the beginning. As I roamed the digital map, the tenor sax was nearby. It ushered jazz into my ears, another familiar sound, via the track St. Thomas, played by Sonny Rollins, Tommy Flanagan, Doug Watkins, and Max Roach. I continued on my North American journey and found the banjo towards the bottom of the United States, a little bit less familiar, though recognizable. The solo intro riff played, then I jumped onto the ensemble button and the intro to Sally Gooden rushed in with a picture of the North Carolina-born banjo legend Snuffy Jenkins on screen. In this moment, something special happened. I heard that song, saw Jenkins smiling down at his banjo, and suddenly, I was in a wide open field of a kind I had actually never experienced in my four-year-old life. Yet there it was, and there I was, running through it, surrounded by this song. And off in the distance of the field was Jenkins playing the banjo with an open grin. The wind blew back my hair as I ran. The sun made all the little flowers in that endless field sparkle, a dream upon listening. One day, I thought, and clicked on. My first sonically induced trip. Not far, but somewhere. The placement of the instruments began to creep downward on the magical music map. Congas and merengue from the Dominican Republic. The Veracruz harp played Soñaroco, a regional folk music style from Mexico and the steel drums rang out in calypso music from the island nation of Trinidad and Tobago. Upon crossing the Atlantic Ocean, my four-year-old ears and imagination entered completely uncharted territory with the music of various regions in Africa. Venturing into the continent, the first visible instrument was a long-necked string instrument called the kora, which in karta associated with Gambian praise music. The piece of music that accompanied this instrument was called Mama Bathili, sung by Tata Bambo Kuaté, a singer from Mali. Kuaté's voice illuminated my mind with deep bellows and a crying out of some sort. Africa also introduced me to the mbira, playing Zimbabwean Shona music, and then the oud, which it placed in Egypt, along with the famous melody Lama bada Yatathana, sung by the oud master Hamza el din One of the first times I heard that same piece of music later in life, I was paralyzed in thought trying to remember why it was so familiar. The sounds of Encarta then came ringing through my head as audio images recalling my earliest journeys across an invisible world. In total, the music map contained 20 instruments, all of which struck me in their own unique way. In Europe, the harpsichord introduced me to Bach's Brandenburg Concertos, pieces that stuck with me for a lifetime, and folk music on a hand-crank hurdy-gurdy. The musical landscape of Asia might have been my favorite because of the rich diversity of all the samples included. The Turkish ney and sacred Sufi music. The sitar representing India and my introduction to the divine playing of Ravi Shankar. In Thailand, I found myself face to face with an instrument made of reeds to be played as a mouth organ called the can, which played ceremonial music. A photo of a six-person ensemble was also shown, each holding a different instrument. The piece began with rapid blowing into the can, which then invited the rest of the instruments, all with wooden sounding qualities, to join in. This combination of sounds stopped me in my clicks. Again, and again, and again, I clicked on the can. And then, there I was, in Thailand. Whatever I imagined Thailand to be as a four-year-old, sitting cross-legged on the floor at the feet of the ensemble, listening to them play this song, live in a small room of a wooden house. Could I teleport? Did I have magical powers within me to be in two places at once? I wondered. As I recall this memory of the Thai ensemble, I can still feel that same desire to go wherever they were and find that sound, which made me restless. Outside of the music map, I had the rest of Encarta to circumnavigate. In the music subcategory, there must have been dozens of hours of tracks from all around the world presented as encyclopedia articles with audio sound bites. It was in this section I came across some of the most influential music of my life, folk music from the Balkan region of southeastern Europe, a snippet of a bagpipe from the Macedonian region called the Gaida, and an unforgettable sample of the Bulgarian clarinetist Ivo Papasov and his wedding band playing a local dance tune. Those sounds seeded a deep love for music of that particular region, which later in life pushed me out into actual explorations fueled by my desire to hear, experience, and understand for myself this music and the place that created it. When I eventually received a Fulbright Fellowship to Bulgaria and was asked why Bulgaria, I found it difficult to explain that I heard a recording of one of the country's most famous clarinetists on a digital encyclopedia in the late nineties as a kid and have been obsessed ever since. I spent countless hours of my childhood with sound induced explorations of the world thanks to a single CD-ROM. These journeys allowed music and sound to illustrate worlds in my mind of places I had never seen, let alone at the time known existed and without the restriction of time, place, or even age. However, as technology evolved, so did the digital encyclopedia landscape. The advent of free resources like Wikipedia marked a shift in the demand for paid digital encyclopedias. In 2009, Microsoft made the decision to discontinue Encarta, ending an era of exploration for many. Though unlike old web pages that can be rediscovered and enjoyed for their eager, simplistic takes on building on the web, the magic and intricacies of Encarta can sparsely be accessed. Its CD-ROMs are no longer compatible with current versions of Windows that now run on modern computers. The only way in would be on outdated machines that haven't been updated since the mid-2000s.
1: The sad thing now, though, is to realize that all of the millions of man-hours that went into making Encarta over all those years, all of the incredible content that was written and produced, all of the editorial content, all of the media content... It's all gone. It, it's vanished. It, it, it does not exist in the universe anymore. There's copies of it <laughs> on servers somewhere. People still have their, their discs. I've got uh, several versions of Encarta still in their, in their boxes in my shelf. I can install them if I want to. It exists that way, but otherwise it doesn't. You can't look up the audio clips. You can't find those on the web. You can't find the interactivities that I built. You can't find the incredible editorial content, the great articles that our editorial staff wrote. Unless you load up one of the old You can't find that on the web anymore. And that is, I mean, it's inevitable. Things change. Technology evolves and moves on. So it is inevitable, but it is a sad thing.
0: The advancement of technology is an incredible, ever evolving endeavor. It has brought us the vast knowledge and on demand accessibility of the World Wide Web and immersive virtual realities. Though in the face of progress, sometimes it silently erases digital simplicities we took for granted. As I worked on this episode, I craved the experience of loading the Encarta disc into the CD reader and having one last exploration. I began to scour YouTube with the hope of finding uploads of people accessing Encarta and posting their experiences. To my surprise, I was not alone in my search for my first audio compass of the world. Not only did I find playthrough-style videos of users exploring Encarta, I found comment sections full of sentiments similar to my own. One user said, I used to spend hours and hours as a kid going through all of these files. A lot of memories. Gave me a great insight into world music generally. Another commented, I cannot thank you enough for putting this up, truly. I spent hours on this CD, learning and absorbing as a kid, and it is so cool to hear these all again. One user described an experience similar to my own. The first example of guitar is Albert King playing blues. When I was 13, I heard this and used to listen to that little clip over and over. I'm 32 now and a huge Albert King fan. My blues band is recording an album and a guitarist from the Albert King band is going to be playing on it. It all started here. And that's where I came across Mark, in a comment under a video of the Encarta intro sequence, saying he animated it and scripted it.
1: I wanted to point to that as part of a design portfolio review, and I don't have a copy of it, and I can't install Encarta, and I was looking for it, so I searched on the web, and I found that, and you know, somebody had captured it and put it up there. I think that the page of the song, I think that it's in Italian, but it, uh, <laughs> but but there it was. There's the thing that I made, and it played exactly the way it played years ago, because I built it that way, and oh my god, I was thrilled to find it. made a little comment that said, oh my god, I built that. And And I'm so happy to see that here because I can't find it anywhere else. Every once in a while, you know, once or twice a year, I get an email, a new comment on the uh, replying to your comment. And oh, somebody had something to say to me because I, you know, stepped up and said I was part of that. And you were one of those people.
0: Mark received a resounding thank you for creating an important contribution to lives and childhoods from users across the internet spanning different ages and walks of life. One comment in particular struck me. To be honest, the reason why so many people are here is that this is not just about a software. The 30-second intro was part of the whole experience, and it worked so well because they perfectly introduced the spirit of that work, or at least what children of my age could grasp it to be. Wonderful work. It expresses so well the fascinating nature of our world. When I asked Mark about his experience receiving all of these comments on Encarta so many years later, he had this to say.
1: It's gratifying to have your, your work acknowledged. And it's also, it's unbelievably gratifying to have people say Encarta had an impact on my life.
0: The echoes of Encarta still linger in my memory on a daily basis. And now I can say with certainty I was not a solo traveler on my sonic journeys around the world. For so many, Encarta was more than just a program. It was the spark that ignited a small flame of curiosity, passion, and excitement for the world. Incarta was the genesis of my musical journeys, but it was far from the end. As I went on to study music, I was never satisfied by just knowing the name of the piece or the era or the composer. I wanted to know where the composer was from and what that country was like and how maybe this piece of music could sound like that country. I wanted to again dream and explore through the sounds. I was not only hearing, but now creating. When I was 18, I moved away from my home in California to Vienna, Austria because, again, it wasn't enough for me to be enamored with music. I had a strong desire that said I needed to go and to be in places where it was, and now I was finally old enough to do so. Everywhere I went in the world, I was looking for music. In Tunisia, I found myself at what I always describe as a Sufi rave-style concert. In Bulgaria, I hunted for folk musicians and festivals in every corner of the country for a year, only to return a few summers later and join a folk dance club. I spent hours on trains in Russia to travel past the big cities and hear the sounds of Tatarstan. While in Iraqi Kurdistan, I met a man known as the Maestro, preserving Kurdish folk music. Travels in Egypt had me looking for musicians performing czar musical rituals and others from the city of Port Said playing local traditional music. Music took me to and kept me in Greece where I have spent many years of my life trying to understand a place, a region and a people through its sounds. My whole world has been shaped by music and to me the whole world is music. Throughout everything, I have come to the understanding that life can be so easily accessed, understood, and traversed using music and sound. That those two things are some of the most important tools at our disposal to uncover the stories of people and places, struggles, triumphs, politics, love, concerns, the most pressing themes of our lives. Before I go anywhere with my two feet, I go with my two ears and search for its music. And all this can be traced back to my days loading a CD-ROM into a boxy home computer as a four-year-old little girl. Encarta didn't just show me new music, it put it in the context of a world that was always available. Now, with music on the move, I'm taking that same spirit of sonic exploration to discover stories of people and places. What I've always done, and now we will share with you too. I'm Savannah Fortis, and that was the first episode of Music on the Move. Thank you so much for joining me at the start of another journey. Stay tuned for more, and until then, keep your ears open, listening, and exploring. This episode of Music on the Move was written and performed by me, Savannah Fortis, with sound design and original compositions by Daphne Farazi, and a special thank you to Mark McKenzie for joining us on this episode.